Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel, and I, <laughs> I and I died. I'm Megan. I'm Hi. okay. I am. I don't know what happened. Who else do we have over there? Satan? Is that you joining us today? <laughs> it's a banshee. Oh, let's let's shake our grapefruit. Oh, yeah, for exercise sure. Exercise whatever sure. is in I you. Exercise the demons. Okay, okay, we are good. good. All right, y'all. What we're bringing to you today is a, a case that we have already brought you, but. We are redoing it because the family reached out to me, specifically the daughter of the victim reached out to me okay. and said, hey, she was she was very, very kind about this. Probably more kind than I would have been. Of course. But she said, hey, there's just some details from the, my mom's episode that were that you got wrong. Uh, hey, we are not perfect. No, no. And she, you know, is we're not even really sure where they came from, um, but she she didn't ask for me to redo the episode, no, but, but she wanted, yeah, she wanted to, you know, kind of correct some of the things. And I said, girl, will you do an interview? Can I call you? Can I talk to you personally? Cause I want to get this absolutely right. We don't ever want information that is out there. That's not accurate or that harms does more harm to a victim's family ever, 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 ever. So this case was, this is the case of Judith Malinowski. And it was covered a long time ago, I think in 2021. Okay, so prior to me. It, it did, it was covered by my former co-host. Okay. So I'm unable to speak uh, to the sources that she used to create the episode. Obviously, I don't know, you know, what, you know, what she had used or whatnot. So that's why another reason why I wanted to speak to her daughter personally and just make sure that I got it correct and the timing is actually really beautiful because there is a documentary coming out at the end of this month that this family on did Judy. on Judy. It is called The Fire That Took Her. Okay. Oh, God, I remember this case. MTV is doing the documentary, and I will just tell you that they followed, they they taped this family and did this documentary for three years with them, Megan. You're going to make me cry. It's, this this is a tough one. <clears throat> yes. Okay. And so I'm going to play for you the official trailer. You can find it on YouTube. It's called The Fire That Took Her. Um, I'm going to play for you that trailer right now. You can um, get on there, though, and follow it. I don't have the exact release date of this documentary. Um, her beautiful daughter, Kaylin, had just told me that it was going to be released at some point in time at the end of May of this year, 2023. Okay. Um, so I can't, um, I, in, I just want to say from right from the beginning, her daughter is an amazing human being. I adored talking to her. She did not want 
the interview to be recorded and on the the podcast, mostly because she spent three of her high school years being followed around by a news crew and doing lots and lots of interviews. interviews. Yeah, she's so had her privacy invaded plenty. She has, but she was super happy to talk to me the you know the whole time and tell her mother's story, um, which I am going to tell you today from her um, perspective. perspective and in what really happened, and then also promote this documentary. I love it. You know, watch this. So let's listen to the the trailer here, everyone. She was my easiest baby, and she was just my best friend. And there was nobody that Judy didn't love. Franklin County Sheriff's Office, can I help you? I got this woman on fire. A guy set what on fire? I got this woman on fire. A lady had been set on fire behind our speedway station. I picked up the phone and someone said, are you Judy Malinowski's mom? Nothing could prepare you for the condition that she was in. I was like, that's not my mom. Everything went downhill when Michael came into the picture. She told the detectives over and over, he's going to kill me. She wanted to tell her story. We were concerned with Judy passing and not getting anything on the record. They approached Judy about testifying to her own homicide. It was a long shot because it had never been done. We are frustrated with domestic violence almost on a daily basis. She wanted to fight for every other woman that had been through something like that. She wanted somebody to finally listen to her. My name is Judith Allen and I'm ready to test. I have all the goosebumps ever like all the goosebumps yeah yeah I think they did um well Kaylin had said that they did a amazing job on this documentary they are very happy the family's very happy how it turned out um so catch that like I said you can look that up on YouTube um the document or the trailer that I just played for you. It's at MTV documentary films. All right. So um, it'll be released on MTV in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no, by the end of this month, by the end of this, by month. the end okay. of this month. But if you wanted to watch and I have a link, I have put a link to this um, trailer. Perfect. In the show notes as well for you guys all to, to watch. So um, let me collect myself a little bit because... Yeah, so at the very beginning of that Ooh. trailer when she talks about how she was her easiest baby, that's Judith's mom then. That was Judith's mom. And then we got to see her daughter yes, on there Kaylin who was just lovely. There. She has two daughters. Okay. Yeah, but that was Kaylin. Okay. That, that you saw, and that is who I spoke to. Great. And I'll give you a little update on her too um, at the end as well. Great. So, oh, um. So would it be fair mm. to say that this is a huge trigger alert for um, domestic violence? Yes. Yes. Addiction. Addiction. Okay. And, ad- and domestic violence. Yep. So Judith Malinowski grew up in Ohio where she attended uh, St. Pius Elementary and Middle School. And then she attended Bishop Hartley and New Albany High Schools. She was also homecoming queen. She was gorgeous. I saw that. She yeah. was beautiful. Her whole family is. Her mm-hmm. mom's gorgeous. One of her daughters is gorgeous. Yes. What good genes they all have. For sure. Um, she also 
so she went to high school. She was a softball player and she got a degree in education. Oh, she was going to be a teacher. She was. Yep. Her parents are Bonnie Still and TJ Hensel. Now, she didn't end up completing college. And I'll just say this right now. I didn't go back and listen to our previous coverage on this. Um, I didn't feel that it was necessary. Kaylin was so sweet because she was like, okay, you know, you got this right, you got this right. And then like this detail was off, that detail was off. I'm like, oh honey, we'll start just, yeah, I'm deleting that. So that episode is gone. It's not even, it's not available. Um, and it's now going to be, I'm just going to leave a break in our numbers. They were just, I think, cause I think it was like number 67 or something like okay. that. I can't remember. So, um, this is just going to be released as like a regular episode and I'm not going to, to compare of like, this is what was said for, for the listeners who have followed us for a long time and may you remember it. Yep. You, you, I'm not going to go over like what was inaccurate or, or anything like that. Um, so Judith married RJ Malinowski who was the son of Goldie. Um, Ooh, honey, I might say her last name wrong. Valentum and Ronnie Malinowski. They then had their first child, Kaylin Danielle, in March of 2004. And they had their second child, Madison Grace, in September of 2007. Beautiful names. Oh, I know. Now, after having Kaylin, Judy discovered that she had ovarian cancer. And so she had to have an ovary removed before she could have Madison Grace. Wow. Okay. Yes. So prior to her second pregnancy, she had that removed. She did. They, that happens a lot where you find it those um, female reproductive cancers after you've given birth to one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she did have to have that ovary removed before um, Madison was born. Now, due to having cancer, she was given pain meds to help her be comfortable. All right. And it was, this is her first um, start into pain medication and it leads to a pain medication addiction. Okay. Okay. Now remember this is circa early 2000s. This is right where all of this was happening. This is the rise of the opioid epidemic sure in the nation. Yep. With overprescribed, prescribed yep. opiates oh, and narcotics. Yeah. Yes. So let's just be clear. When Judy recognized that she had an addiction and that she was struggling, she voluntarily signed custody over to her mother, Bonnie. Now, Bonnie at this time was remarried um, and had a son, Patrick Francis. Okay. okay. Now, interestingly enough, Patrick is the same age as Kaylin. They were born just two days apart. I've seen that. We have that yeah. with big families down here. So her yeah. uncle and her are the same age. Yes, yes. And they grew up together. So Bonnie, Judy gave Bonnie guardianship of her two children. Like, hey, I am struggling. I think that some of the information that is out there indicates that the girls were removed from Judy and they were not. She No, she, she, she did a voluntary. Yeah. She totally did. acceptable. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. What you're supposed to it's do. It's supposed to. In fact, if there was a CPS um, investigation, once if they find out that you have not failed to protect, that you have turned the child over to a safe space, space safe place um it's it's closed they close it mm-hmm. yeah exactly and they offer no and they, uh, they'll offer you services of, of course. course but there's no reason to intervene there's not no. children aren't at risk at that point yep so bonnie and her husband dan opened up their home to kaylin and madison and raised them until current day to day so kaylin is 19 and madison is 15 
Oh my gosh, now. that young lady that you talked to is a teenager. Um, yes, yeah, she's in college. This is amazing. I will get to it. She's you would have no idea. Yeah, she's like way, one of my kids' age. Yeah, you wouldn't have any idea. She is so mature, so mature, and so well spoken, and she's going to do amazing things. Um, Kaylin wanted me to stress that Judy was not a danger to her children. As we often see in cases of addiction like this, I mean, truly, they're they're a danger to themselves, but when they've made appropriate arrangements, you know, so she was allowed to come and see her children. Yeah, of she course. was having supervised visits. Yes, because grandma was there. Grandma want, made sure that they had a good relationship with their with their mother while she went through this struggle. That's amazing. So Judy meets Michael Slager. They had actually met through a, a mutual person that they knew. And unbeknownst to Judy, Michael had actually served various prison sentences with Michael and this RJ guy. Okay, but Judy just didn't realize that that was the case. So her friend that's setting her up knew him because he served time with them. Yep. And yep. she was unaware as to how yep. their friendship exactly bloomed. Now, Kaylin said, she actually wrote me in, in her, her detailing of this for me. She said, um, Judy had the kind of personality where she always wanted to help people and would put her own needs aside if it meant helping someone else. So Judy really felt like she really wanted to help Michael. At the time, Michael Slager was not working. He was not a good person. These are Kaylin's words. He had previous records of domestic violence, and he had a very long list of prior priors and drug addiction. So assaultive. Unbeknownst to Judy. Assaultive like behavior and controlled yep. substance convictions. Yep. And Judy just sees somebody struggling and is like, okay, <clears throat> I, I will help you. I, you know, and her friend, okay. her friend vouched for him. For sure. Yep. Now, Judy had indicated to her mother, so the girl's grandmother, that there was abuse in their relationship. Judy then got a restraining order, which you and I both know, piece of paper, doesn't always do the trick. Nope. And it didn't in this case. At this time, um, Judy was living in hotels, and she was trying to hide from Michael, but he, unbeknownst to them, had put a tracking device on her phone so that he could always find her. Ugh. Um, Illegal, by the way. Yep. Yes, thank you. Well, not that somebody who's committing crimes cares if they're doing something illegal, but no. that's a that's an excellent so excellent point. Um, you know, Kaylin wanted me to stress that Judy had a ton of family support. Okay, this is not a family who abandoned her in her time of struggle, and I am under the belief that some other some information out there didn't state that enough or indicated that Judy's family, you know, she had lost her kids and then the family just abandoned, abandoned her because they didn't condone her relationship with Michael. That was not the case at all. There was never any separation from them. They, she was always involved with her girls. Um, and actually, like Bonnie would make sure that Judy was in a safe spot, like a hotel, something like that, where they could meet where Michael was not around. The girls were not around Michael when they saw their mother. Great. So, but that was, again, unbeknownst to them, there's a tracking device on her phone. Okay. Um, so he's stalking her. <clears throat> there's been previous abuse, and he, he's she's trying to hide from him. 
there is this personal protection order or restraining order, whichever they call it in, in that mm-hmm. state. And, and he's, she's not abiding by it. And she's at risk. Yes. Yep, exactly. Apparently, there's some information out there that she overdosed in 2015. Um, that is not the case. That That's not correct. And... Um, and I believe that an article, I saw an article that said that Michael had like called um, during this overdose, like tried to call 911 or whatever during this overdose. And uh, Caitlin said, no, that's that's not actually what happened. And he actually made um, a, a phony phone call, like pretended to make a phone call. Okay. Um, there is reason to believe that she was not, did not have a drug overdose, but rather was drugged. Okay. So. And it's reported for some reason in some source as an OD because that's how he called it in. Yes. 911. Her, but it, her but abuser. he actually never did. It was a phony call. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Judy is struggling. Okay. And she needs to go back into rehab. And she knows that. The family does not know why she was having Michael other than we, we understand domestic violence. We do. Right? And this man has tracked her at this point in time, is not staying out of her life. Um, she is struggling again with her addiction. She recognizes that she needs to go into rehab. So she's having Michael take her to rehab. To sure. Do, to drop him off. Okay? Any of you that have questions as to why she would have allowed that to happen have got to go look at the power and control wheel when it Ta- yes. You talk about manipulation and coupled with the fact that she isn't in the at-risk population because of her prescription drug abuse. Mm-hmm. This this makes her even more at risk. Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. So in 2015, it's August 2nd, 2015, and Michael is driving Judy to the hospital, okay, Um, excuse me, not the hospital, to rehab. And she just wanted to stop at the, they stopped at a gas station to get cigarettes. But there is information out there that says she stopped to get high before she went in. And Kaylin says, no, she stopped to get cigarettes. Also very common because you can't have those in there. And she wanted to see her children before she checked herself in. So that's what the plan was. So she goes, they stop at a gas station so she can get some cigarettes. And she goes in and she also wanted to get something to drink. Well, they start fighting. Okay. And so I am going to now refer to um, an in, an art, a really well-written article that the independent did of the UK after watching, they apparently were able to view the fire that took her okay. from the documentary. So this is in, cause I have not been able to see it yet, of course, cause it's not released here for us um, yet. And so, um, and I found this article to be a good, uh, what is the word? The synopsis, right? Because I didn't, I didn't go, when I was interviewing Kaylin, her and I talked and she just let me know, like, you know, the story. Right. But I did not ask her. I'm not I'm not a reporter, so I'm not asking this girl intimate details about the situation. You know, I know what happened, but I was not going to 
I didn't want the story from her from her sure. in, in that aspect. This, okay. You're giving us the crime scene now. Yes. Okay. Now we are going to talk about the crime. Yes. So what happens is that Judy goes in and gets a drink. They are fighting and she decides, you know what? You're not going to take me to rehab. Like we're not doing this. She's trying to leave him at the gas station. Okay. They are fighting. She throws her pop that she had just bought in his face. And he returns by grabbing gas cans that he keeps in the back of his truck. And he douses her with gas. Now, immediately as he's dousing her, she ingests it. So it is down her throat. And that is extremely painful. So she's screaming for him to help. Instead of running away, she's struggling. She's like choking on gasoline and, you know, trying to get him to help her. He steps away for approximately 30 seconds to light a match and throw it on her and light her on fire. Jesus. Yes. So. And they're in public. They're at a public gas station. They are. Because we heard the 911 mm-hmm. at the beginning on the trailer. And some terrified woman yells that there's a woman that has been lit on fire. Yes. And there is sur- surveillance footage from an ATM across the street, which shows this entire thing. Okay. So, obviously, Megan, seconds later, Judy's entire body is engulfed in flames, including her throat. Remember, I told you it went down her throat. Yeah, correct. She ingested it, okay? And Caitlin had no qualms about telling me, you know, she she had to have her entire esophagus reconstructed. Right. Okay? So, a frantic 911 caller alerts authorities as Slager, Michael Slager, began attempting to pass off the attack as an accident. What? Yep. Claimed that it was an accident. He's hoping that there was no uh, camera footage. Yeah, exactly. Or witnesses. Watched you literally douse her Mm -hmm. in gasoline and step away to light a match while she's screaming to you to help her. He was also counting on Judy dying. So Judy was whisked to the hospital where she was not expected to survive, of course. So this is a quote from the Independent article. It's a quote, in the burn world, we have an equation for mortality, which is based on the patient's age and the percent of burns. Now, this is from Stacy Best, one of Judy's nurses, and this statement is from the fire that took her. She said, in Judy's case, she was 31 at the time of the burn and approximately 80 plus percent of her body was burnt. Now, later, Judy testifies, because yes, she testifies. Oh my God. That it was more like 95%. Okay. So that made her at a 110% mortality rate. Right. As Judy fought for her life, detectives were investigating what had really happened outside that gas station. And it was the ATM uh, surveillance footage, in addition to eyewitness statements that almost immediately tore his Slager's, you know, account to shreds. Um, The detective said it looked like a movie scene, clearly showing that they were arguing, and then Michael dumped gas over her. So we knew right away that Michael's story, that he was lying to us. For me, that scene has played out in my dreams more times than I can count. As determined, authorities worked on building a case. Judy lay in a coma for months, her life hanging by a thread. Um, 
this is another um, assistant prosecutor, Warren Edwards, says in the fire that took her, quote, I could probably prosecute for another 20 years and not get a case that is so right for the death penalty. Right. 100% agree. We don't have the death penalty here, by the way. We don't. But, and really, he said, and really for the first several months of this case, we were playing the delay game. It sounds terrible, but we were basically waiting for Judy to die so that we could charge Mr. Slater with the homicide. Right. Instead of an assault crime or even an attempted murder. Yep, because uh, she's in a coma. Murder. She's 90-some percent of her body yeah, is burnt. I'm and sure she's in she a coma. wasn't expected to make it. Of course I mean, not. You, you talk to her daughter, but I can only imagine that they're just waiting for the, yes. the call or they're waiting for them to say, Mom didn't make it. Yes. And the prosecutor said... And we got a call one day that she was awake, which is a call that I never expected to get. So the prosecutor said, this is the first homicide case I've handled where I got to meet the victim. Well, yeah. And this is why Judy's story is so profound, because she is the only person to have been able to have testimony entered in her own murder trial. I'm, this is, I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. floored. I'm speechless. And being a former prosecutor, my first thought is packing my shit up as quickly as possible to get up to the hospital to wait, to wait until I can talk to this woman with law enforcement, of course. And yep. Yep. And he actually said, um, I don't think words can describe what it feels like to have your whole body set on fire is what she says in the film, because her she does speak. (laughs) miraculously somehow she is able to speak to the detectives after her coma and we will get to her actually her recorded testimony and what it took for her to be able to do that but I just wanted to put her quotes in here okay she said I thought for sure I was dying I just prayed to Jesus to forgive me for my sins and to take care of my children and that was it I blacked out and I don't remember anything until I woke up in the hospital which was months later right um the one prosecutor said, um, I've never seen trauma like that to a human body that wasn't deceased. And he said, he recalled, he's like, I leaned over to talk to her and I realized she does not even have ears. So can she hear me? I Internally. mean, he doesn't know, right. He doesn't know the ins and outs, right. Of what all has been damaged on, on her body. He can just see that she didn't have any ears. So like, is this even going to work? You know, can I ask her questions and can she respond? Right. Um, Judy would undergo more than 50 surgeries. She coded seven times and she suffered excruciating procedures and skin grafts, many of them which had failed. Did you say how long of a period of time this was over? She was in the hospital for two years, Megan. So all of these surgeries are happening over a two-year time frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 23 months to be exact. If I remember right. Michael Slager, meanwhile, was being charged with aggravated arson and felonious assault. He pled no contest with the possibility, when the possibility was raised, that Judy was going to testify via video link. And so his defense, Michael's defense, said that if she testifies in her state um, via video link, it would certainly make the jurors him obviously <laughs> as, as we all do as if they wouldn't have anyway yep. so the judge the judge sentenced michael slager to the maximum penalty allowed under the law at this time megan which i know was 11 years you know what people are out there appalled and i'm over here 
telling you that those are the sentencing guidelines and the max sentences on those two specific charges. Yes. And the judge (laughs) very much made it clear that she wanted to keep him behind bars longer, but the law prevented her from doing so. She actually is quoted as saying, you really do seem like one of those people that have no soul and you need to be incarcerated. That's all I have to say. So Judy and her family were heartbroken at the light sentence, of course. Despite the constant pain, she fought for Ohio state law to change to increase sentences for attackers who leave their victims permanently disfigured. Yes. Okay. Um, this is a quote also from the documentary. There was this part of her that wanted to make it and to live to fight for every other woman who had been through something like that. Her sister, Danielle Gorman says in the documentary, she definitely wanted the law to change and she was willing to do whatever she needed to do to help change that law. Now her nurse still clearly incredulous at Judy's strength says that it was a miracle that she had survived with her spirit intact and her will to help her, to help other people intact. I mean, think about this. I am. Just the fact that she is still thinking about other people. Like we have to change these laws. She's laying in a hospital bed for 23 months, fighting to stay alive to help see laws changed. Chanel, this woman is trapped inside of a body at this point that is no longer usable because of someone else's actions, but her brain is intact. That right in it, I mean, she's she's prisoner. She's captive in she in her own her, burned her, body. Her spirit is captive. Yeah. at this point, in but time. she's mm-hmm. cog- her cognition is yes. there. Sure is, and yep. she's still going to do anything she can to help. I love this chick. Yep, she talked about um, how this attack destroyed her life, her family's life, her kids' lives, and that the law, the laws of justice, justice are not fair. So, with her help from her hospital bed. Um, There was a law that was changed in Ohio. And I will tell you that it it was changed just months after she ends up passing away. But the law was signed the week of her, according to the independent, who got the information from the documentary, um, the week of her funeral. And her, both of her girls were by the governor giving... When they signed it. Yes, when they signed it, um, agreeing that there needs to be longer sentences for victims who are left permanently disabled, especially in the uses use of accelerants. That is a specific key of this law as okay. well. Judy did that. So it provides for enhanced sentencing mm-hmm. in those certain situations. Yes, yep, exactly. Um, so here is the, the biggest thing is that they need to get her testimony on video. Okay. They need to have all of this information, not just for the law change, which she's fighting for, but also in the event that she doesn't make it and they can change this to a, to a murder, right? To a homicide. Yeah. In order to do that, Megan, she has to go off all of her pain meds because otherwise the defense could use that against her. Correct. Oh my God. You know, it's just, it, it's, it sits there all of a sudden, like it comes to you, the pain that this woman's going to be in just to be able to tell her story. Yep. Yep. We don't require witnesses or the defendant to be in significant amounts of pain when they testify other than perhaps emotional. Right. 
she had to experience real excruciating pain, physical pain to yep. be able to do this. Yep. To be able to testify, to make sure that the person that did this to her received the appropriate sentence. So just let that receive the appropriate charge, charge, too. charge. Exactly. That's actually what I meant to say was charge and sentence. Um, so that's exactly what she did. She was willing to go off from her pain medication so that she could testify. And do you want to know how long her testimony took after all oh, being God. off the pain meds? Two hours? Four. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. She testified. We heard with, a blurb at the beginning when you played the trailer of, of Judy. Yep. So that was that, that was, was her, her off her meds testifying. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she, in her testimony, she said that um, after she threw a drink on him during the fight, Michael Slager ran around to the other side of the truck. He got the cans of gasoline that he kept in the back of his truck. He ran around me and started pouring gasoline, started at my head and worked his way down. Some got into my throat, and as he did that, that burned really bad. She was. She called him evil and explained that he backed away from me for about thirty seconds. I kept telling him to please help me and to stop, and he get he got in the truck, and I'm sorry, and I'll get in the truck. I'll go with you because remember she was trying to leave him. Yeah, she that wasn't going to get back in with him because she he was wasn't. being a dick, taking yep. her to rehab. Yep. So she was like, you know, oh, just stop, just stop. I'll get in the truck. I'll go with you, and he pulled a lighter out of his pocket and started walking towards me. <laughs> She said, I just remember crying and begging for help, and he lit me on fire. She said, and the look in his eyes, his eyes went black, literally. Evil. After I was set on fire and he backed away, his eyes just turned black as I screamed for help, and he did nothing. When Slager's attorney cross-examined her, which I can't imagine being in that position. Being the, being defense, the defense attorney, attorney on that? Yeah. It's, what a terrible job. Yes. I have I I do have sympathy for those people. They were they are appointed to represent a defendant. It is your constitutional right and you have got to do a good job defending some really bad people. Yep. And he has to ask her about her drug history and other details. Yep. Judy more than holds her own and at times even talks over him. She recounts how Slager got her rehooked on heroin, bought her the drugs and had previously threatened her life. She said, quote, I called the police and told them Michael Slager was going to kill me and I needed help, but the detective did nothing about it, about it so here I am. She's, she says before adding, you have to understand, on August 2nd, I was set on fire, thrown on the ground and burnt 95% of my body. It's really hard for me to try to keep track of everything that happened in this horrible relationship. So less than five months after giving her... Um, disposition in early 2017 on the 27th of June of 2017 she passed away and, and then, this is from complications yes directly yep. because of being burned yes. I just want to make sure you know where yes. my legal brain is I going know. this wasn't from something accident or you know nope no nope. it was a hundred do you know was it um, did they say was it like in fact from infection I am not sure, and I didn't ask her. Just her poor little body held out as long as it as could for so yes. many years. I saw the law change, and they got her testimony. You know, and it was. Like, it makes me want to cry because have you you been there at the end with somebody when you feel like all they were waiting for was a little bit of closure regarding something? Yep. And that was her closure. And that, to my understanding, was exactly it. Like, okay, oh. 
I can. I'm watery here. Yep. Yep. I've, I've done my job now, you yeah. know, and, and I've helped others. I've changed laws. Yeah. I've helped others. My girls are okay with my mom. She was able to give her family some closure mm-hmm. too here. Like what a strong, brave woman. Yes. All that pain. I'm still back to four hours of all of that pain to be able to affect this significant amount of change. Mm-hmm. I know. Some people wouldn't have been able to do it, Charnel. Oh, God, no. And and this isn't any, this is not me speaking negatively about those other people either, because it might be me half hour, an hour into an interview like that. And you're just like, I can't, I can't. do this anymore. Right. Give me some medication. We'll try well, again. And my understanding is she had to be off the medication for a certain amount of time before, before. they could even start the thing. So this is, this is way longer than four hours that she endured the that day. full pain, it's, guys. It's the day. Like, yes, exactly. Um, she did have a, Kaylin did let me know that she did have a trachea in that allowed her. Oh, a trachea, a tube? Yes. To, to allow her to talk. I was going to ask um, because of the significant, significant damage to her, um, esophagus if, and, and her trachea, if they were able to rebuild it because otherwise she wouldn't have been able to make lot, noise yeah, at all. A lot of the surgeries were on that. Yes. On that is my understanding. Okay. Um, I had Kaylin after my wonderful talk with her, um, I had her send me like bullet points of what she wanted me to say. And um, in terms of this part, she said she was off all of her medication at the time of her disposition, which lasted four to six hours and no one was allowed in the room. She was all by herself for the record while she was in this pain and giving that. Wait, they're not asking her questions? Yeah, from video. It's a video conferencing. Okay. No one else. None of the family. No nurse on no standby? One, no one is allowed in the room. Yes, she did say that the nurses could come in to do the checks that they needed to do. So they're checking her vitals and stuff yep. and then basically then watching out. from outside. So she yep. is by herself. Yes, so that there is nothing that the defense could pull at. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, Immediately after she passes away, Michael Slager was charged with murder and her and her testimony was absolutely admitted into the trial. In July 2018, Michael Slater pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Judy made it very clear that she did not want him to receive the death penalty, hoping that he would find religion while in prison. Really? Mm-hmm, because she remained very faithful through this entire process. Better? person than me Mm -hmm. her obituary praises her courageous and miraculous 23-month battle for her life outlining how judy's case inspired the change of legislation to extend sentences of criminals of felonious assault who have disfigured their victims she was pivotal in the passage of this law by enduring the excruciating pain to be able to testify in her own case and uh her obituary reads in spite of her extreme pain her beautiful smile shined through her permanent scars her disfigurement and her tears. So, um, I, 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 I just, I don't even, I don't even know what to say other than it was a privilege to talk to Kaylin. Um, and a little update on her. And I just found this so fascinating. She is going to law school. Really? Where? She's in college in Ohio. Okay. Yes. But I'm not going to put it publicly out there. Um, and so she's she's got plans to be a lawyer, and in one of her like first, a prosecutor, I don't know, I don't know where it's going to take her. But she, Kaylin, she, if you need anything, you get a hold of me. Yeah, I have her. She 
You send her my you send her my contact she information. Has my number here. Law school sucks, Kaylin. It really does. <laughs> and it get through your one L year, and then after that, girl, you will be golden. And wow, your mom would be so proud. Well, oh, for sure. And she <laughs> like, she knows that. Like it's very clear that her mom is still a very strong presence in her life. Yeah. But I just loved this story. So one of her first um, criminal classes that she took, her law school classes. Um, they were going over cases. Case, probably criminal, um, not criminal procedure, crim, crim 101, crim I, law. I don't know. But they brought up her mother's case not knowing that her daughter was sitting in the audience and was one of the students. And she said, I just listened. And then I went back and told my roommate and was like, should I tell the professor yes. that I could tell the story better than him? And the roommate was like, absolutely, yes, you should. Because they wanted to bring, they talk about this case because she was used, she's the first person to testify in her own murder trial. I almost guarantee this may have come up in CrimPro um, hearsay discussions about when statements can come in that are made by declarants out of court because otherwise they fit in a hearsay de- de- uh, definition. Well, in this case, the declarant is unavailable. And when the declarant is unavailable, you would be able to use that. But probably, if not the first, very few cases where they've been able to use actual recorded testimony of the person before they died. Right. So I can see from a legal criminal perspective why this would be an incredibly intriguing case. Yeah, to teach you upon. Know, and what they use. do in law school using Socratic method is they just kind of go around and be like, okay, can you pick up uh, people versus what was his name again? Slager. People versus Slager um, and brief it for me and then give me the holding in this case. And this girl, Kaylin, is sitting there going, I can do that. Right. Like, I can tell you everything all about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And your textbook, it ain't even starting. It doesn't even have half of the information that you you should know. Did she? Did she tell the, the professor? Do you know? Yes. Yes. I believe that she I bet did. He and it was, she loved that. It was so cute because then the day after my interview with her, she meant to, she sent me a text that was meant for her friend that said, do you know if we have to present this case? Cause she was getting ready for finals. Oh, so funny. And so she's like, do you know if we have to present this case? And, um, and so I text her back and said, I don't think this was meant for me, but I bet you probably do. Oh my gosh, you guys, you're so cute. <laughs> but we were just Kaylin, chatting that, back that and That would forth. be Charnel. She'll give you advice on it. She'll answer your questions even if she doesn't know yeah, the answer. Exactly. <laughs> like, just be prepared to present on it just in case, okay? Just You can't be overprepared as a lawyer. <laughs> what so a great story. I, um, uh, I, they're all doing very well. Their mom, like I said, their mom is still very much a part um, in, in their life. They have a very strong faith and just great head heads on their shoulders I mean she is uh, she knows she said like my mom is such an inspiration like I don't think I could have done what she did you know I just realizing that I am from such strong stock gives me confidence you know and and helps me and right yeah and absolutely mom was would have been fine with him receiving the the life in prison instead of the death penalty are did, did are they okay I don't know Okay. I don't know. I th- and I'm not going to speculate. I'm just yeah. going to leave it alone. And frankly, if I was uh, her or her sister, I might just not comment either on yeah. that. But um, it's without the possibility of parole, correct? correct. Good. Because there's that you know, lawyer in me thinking to have to go at a potential parole hearing and, and keep going back and reliving it. It causes such trauma. Over and, and over. over. You just mm-hmm. never get the closure on it. Right. And 
she gave her daughters her own clo- closure. She did. Judith did. And then um, MTV approached them, wanted to do this documentary and do it right for Judy. And so is this piece took, centered around domestic violence? I actually don't know, Megan. I, I, I do not know if that is what it is geared towards. Um, all I know is that the family has viewed it. They are very happy with um good i'm so glad how, yes they were how so they involved. represented them three years a camera crew picture this too for kaylin a camera crew followed her around her high school for three years filming her family her life all of that i mean that in itself would have a profound effect you know she had a different high school experience than most she did most uh girls right so and she'll have a different law school in public. I mean, people are going to know them. Mm-hmm. They just became, this whole family just became advocates for domestic violence. Right. And as soon yes. as this MTV um, documentary airs, which I cannot wait to watch. you got to text me as soon as you know that it's I, released because I, I don't know. pay attention sometimes. Right. I want to watch it. I know. I'm going to text her and let her know, hey, we redid the episode. You got to let us know because I want to link it. Okay. And, you know, I, I can't link it right now because we don't have the link for it. But Correct. Um, if you're listening to this we'll after it, it is released, check the show notes because um, I'm, we'll I want to in. link it. Oh, God, yes, I will link it. If, if it's available without an MTV subscription, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't have those that ins and outs, but it would be worth it just to get it for a month so you could watch this. Great. You know? Well, um, while Charnel and I are, are, listeners who are regulars know that we're pretty serious about delivering this information with our own inflection and sometimes humor as well. Also know that we do our little weird things like the gree at the front, which is just our good luck charms guys. It and is. then, and then, you know, we got to do our funny at the end, our brain we bath. Do. So I do, do hope that the um, Malinowski family, that the girls aren't offended by what we're going to do now. Um, don't worry. It's not that bad, but I am right. gonna, I'm going to bathe you if well, you'd like to be bathed I or do would. you have more? No, no. I was just going to say that um, I was, I wanted to also say that Kaylin also plays softball like her mom. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Love it. And Natural talents. Yes. And so um, she, I know she listened to the previous episode, so she knows we do. We leave our audience with, with a laugh in their heart, so I don't think she would be offended okay. by us doing our brain bath. So well, just wish them all the best of luck. I want to do some 12 ridiculous crimes that, believe it or not, were actually committed. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to read all of these, but this is just funny. The because funny ones? I feel like this would happen if someone broke into my house, a couple discovered a burglar in their house after the burglar laughed at the husband's joke. <laughs> you know, I think I've read this one before. Did you? I don't know if I've done it on Crime Curious. An Oak, I mean, Hill, community, an Oak Hill community couple discovered a thief in their home Saturday after a man told a joke and they heard a laugh from upstairs. <laughs> Did you? Do you know about the one there with the guy, the man who's high on bath salts, breaks into a house and puts up their Christmas decorations? Oh, yep. that was so nice of him. Terry Trent, 44, has been charged with burglary after breaking into a family's home and putting up Christmas decorations. Snorting bath salts put one Ohio cook in the holiday spirit, police said. Cops in Vandalia, north of Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> say uh, Terry Trent, 44, was high on a designer drug when he broke into the family's home, put up some Christmas decorations, and then plopped down on the couch to watch television. Oh, my Gosh, yeah, so nice of him though. He could have done so many malicious things, and he was just like, "I'm gonna get my decorate on." Yeah, 
He was. He was like, <laughs> this house is bothering me. So. Yeah, it needs to be festive in here. Um, Oh, God. A woman beats her boyfriend because he, quote unquote, finished before her. I think we've covered that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God I've, bless I it. I have covered that one. Uh, it's worth telling again, though. It's a good reminder for everyone. Okay. Raquel Gonzalez allegedly assaults boyfriend Ezrick Davis for orgasming too quickly. The cops came not a moment too soon. <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez, 24, has been arrested for allegedly assaulting her boyfriend, 30-year-old Ezrick Davis, when he had an orgasm and she did not, according to the police report obtained by the smoking gun. <laughs> Apparently, during sex, the boyfriend orgasmed first and she proceeded to beat him. Well, men, just be sure. If you ever sleep with this woman, let her finish first. <laughs> Also, if that were a, a justified reason for domestic violence, boy, there would be an incline, a serious incline. Right. I'm thinking. Right. Oh, my. Have you heard about the son that robbed his mom because he thought he could only be charged with burglary if it was done at night? <laughs> okay. Well, a Willoughby man who believed he could only be charged with burglary if he committed the crime at night has pled guilty. On June 26th, James Blankenship, Blankenship, 22, pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of breaking and entering into his mother's home against her will. According to police, Blankenship's mother found her son attempting to break into her house through a first floor window earlier this month. The young man has not been welcome in his mother's home for approximately three months, nor did he have permission to be on the premises, police oh, said. Oh, my Lord. That's his defense? I didn't know I could be charged if it happened during daylight hours. A man, oh. a man eats his own underwear hoping to beat a breathalyzer test. No. <laughs> Were they clean? I don't uh, were they edible undies? No. That would make more sense. No, I've heard of so many. Po I'm crying. I've heard of so <laughs> many possibilities, ways that people think they can be beat breathalyzers. Okay. Okay? okay. A penny under the tongue. I have heard that one. Right. So this is an article by Darcy Ricard of the State Advocate. An 18-year-old Stetler man tried to eat his oh, underwear. An 18-year-old child. In the hope that the cotton fabric would absorb alcohol before <laughs> he took a breathalyzer test. <laughs> Not testing gastric juices, dumb no. shit. <laughs> oh, shit. David Zerflu was subsequently acquitted, acquitted of a charge of impaired driving because he blew .08 the legal limit. But the testimony broke up people in Judge David McNaughton's provincial court here Thursday afternoon. How was he acquitted? Okay, I'm because cold he, reading. Because he wasn't over the legal Miss, limit. Well, 0 .08 is the legal limit. So he blew at the legal at limit. It. Okay. Okay, so Mr. Zerflu. Maybe the underwear works. I don't know. I'm thinking. And maybe this, I got to read more. Mr. Zerflu was collared by RCMP. Um, Constable Bill Robinson, after he ran from his vehicle, which had been seen weaving down the highway. Mm, okay. While sitting in the back of the patrol car, Mr. Zerflu tried to eat his shorts, the constable <laughs> told the court. 
he, Mr. Zerflu said he ripped the crotch out of his shorts, stuffed the fabric in his mouth, and then spit it out. Sir, the crotch? The crotch. Why didn't you go for the waistband that you know, hasn't touched Because you know penis. as well as I do that men wear underwear till they fall apart and they get holes in the balls area first. They and do. so that's where it was compromised and that's where he tore that's it. Where, that's a good point. The fabric was already weak. A class of law students from William E. Hay Composite High in court as observers were removed by the teacher when testimony enlivened the proceedings. The grade 11 and 12 students had difficulty maintaining composure. Me too, kids. Absolutely. I too am a 17-year-old in my brain. When People oh. were leaving the courtroom with tears in their eyes trying not to laugh, said the constable at McFarland. Because the man ate his own crotch out. I guess he thought the material of the underwear would take away the odor of alcohol. I mean, again, how do you get <laughs> to that conclusion? Your breath smells like balls. And more importantly, do you eat your own underwear? No. I, no. I don't know. That is interesting that he, I, I was going to say maybe the intoxication. <laughs> but he wasn't maybe highly intoxicated. That's what, I mean, that was what my defense was going to go for. Of, okay, guys, he was drunk. No, he really wasn't, according to the law. This is for you, Charnel, okay. because I know about your undying love for the Olive Garden mm. salads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. woman tries to trade an Olive Garden salad for drugs. Oh. She went to an undercover cop and offered to give him an Olive Garden salad in exchange for some drugs. He declined and Sorry, arrested did, her. Did he not understand the value of what she was offering? They are pretty delicious. I mean, are nothing pretty. can actually compensate you for that. I, wow. I, I don't, I don't that know. That was very generous of her. Well, what drug did it say? It did not. Mm. It did not say what type of drugs she attempted to buy. I'm going to guess it wasn't marijuana because she was literally giving up her snack. Right. So. Right. She would have wanted to keep that yeah. for later for weed. Yeah. So, um, and the last one I'm going to give you just because now I'm hungry is a man breaks into Pizza Hut and fries wings. Oh, how yeah. nice. Did oh, he want some? Drunk man breaks into Pizza Hut, fries wings. Of course, it must be. In St. Cloud, Minnesota. (laughs) Minnesota. St. Cloud police say an intoxicated man broke into Pizza Hut, attempted to fry up some boneless chicken wings, and threw marinara sauce on the wall. Oh, well, that was just not nice. Corey Michael Mogan, 21, of St. Cloud, was transported to the Steams County Jail after police found him inside the Pizza Hut on the 100 block of 7th Avenue. He's being charged on a possible third-degree burglary charge. I'm guessing a Buffalo Wild Wings wasn't readily available. So he's like, a pizza place. They probably have wings. Decided he wanted to fry some wings. So what's he do? I mean, don't go to the store and go home and fry them, sir. Breaking the Pizza Hut to do it. Yeah, that's much easier. Yep. And that was uh, theodysseyonline.com. Well, thank so. you for that. Thank you for bathing me because it was hard for me to get through this. Uh, episode, yes, I noticed so I that a couple of times. And when you, it's like one of those things where you look at your friend, and we do a really good job of not getting overly emotional on stuff. It's years and years of desensitization from dealing with the crimes that we do. Mm-hmm. But when I see Charnel's eyes water up, then my eyes water yes. up, and then I have to look away. Yep. It's not happening. We're I not have, real people. I have the same trigger thing. I saw your eyes oh. water up at one point, yep. and then mine yep. watered too. It's it's hard, and yeah, especially when you see people that you love of struggling oh as well. My gosh. So. It's okay though. We're humans <sighs> and we're allowed to cry. We are. We are. I, I had this um, conversation and I don't know if it was on our Cubans and Cabernet, which is a little private chat that we have with some of our fans and Patreons or if it was someplace else. But 
There was a case where on appeal, one of the arguments was that they wanted it set aside or retried or remanded to the lower court because at the sentencing, the judge cried. <gasps> the judge was human and not a robot? And it really pisses me off. That pisses me off too. And I don't mean cry. I mean, there were tears, okay? You're right. Human emotion. It is empathy. very hard. Listen, and just let me tell you that not only have I heard stories from victims and, and people who've done terrible things, I have also been humanly emotional with a defendant before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Listening to things that people dealt with. And, rem- and this is on a misdemeanor type mm-hmm. of events on, you know, drug type charges where we're, we're really trying to help now more right. than just throw people in prison or jail for drugs because exactly. we know when they get out, they're just going to reoffend or die right. from an overdose. Exactly. And yeah, so for being human, my understanding, and I, I, I was trying to find the case the other day just to see if it was anything public though, was that that was not a successful Argument on appeal. Good. It didn't come back. There has to be abusive discretion in those situations, and there was obviously oh, not. My gosh. Yeah. It, it just irritates me that somebody might think that I'm anything. I don't wear a cape. And as I've said before, black robes don't come with crowns. No. You, that you can't be a human. You, you, you are ha- a human. You're a human. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a dangerous precedent to take out the human aspect of any job. Any job that you do, you should at the very front be a human about it. A decent, good human. Victims cry in court. Oh, sure. Sometimes victims of horrific crimes don't. Yeah. And it bothers the jurors. It bothers the public. Well, why isn't this person crying? We all handle things differently. Yes. I've seen police officers and CPS workers get emotional Mm -hmm. on the stand. It's going to happen. Yep, exactly. So, oh, yep, there yeah, we are. Bother me Welcome to Crime Curious, where we're human. Yes, yes. Oh, very much so, because I mispronounce things, we too. We cry. We laugh. We mess up cases and redo them so that if you guys think that something wasn't covered correctly, we're not going to effing argue with you. We're going to figure out the right way to yes, report it and give it back exactly. to you. We care about making sure that our content is accurate, because the whole reason we do this is to keep victims' voices alive. Okay, so why would I ever be like, nope, I want to keep the inaccurate information out there? Hell no. That is not how we how Agreed. we do things. Yes. And now if you all stand back, I'm going to gently jump off the soapbox. Yes. Yes. Step step off step, lightly. Stepping there right off. And, Wonderful. And you should hit us up if you want to get a hold of and us on social what? media. You should. Sometimes we even knock ourselves out with the microphone. Or I've, I think I've chipped a tooth here as mm-hmm. well, so mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah, follow us on social media if you want to join our Patreon ship. Patreon. Patreon chip? Yeah. Patreon chip. Making new words. If you want to go to Patreon and contribute to helping keep us on air and in exchange, you will get lots of bonus content that the rest of the world does not hear. Click the link in the show notes. Um, We have different tier, you know, different levels um, that you can join there and you get various things at each level. You can even buy Sharnala coffee so that she can pay for some research. Yes. Yep. I do. There's a link for that as well. Use that all for research. Really appreciate it. And just, we appreciate all of you guys listening. And and until next time, I'm going to ask you as always to keep it curious and keep listening. Bye-bye.